Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's episode is going to be a little different than the normal Ambitious episode. I am going to run through what is, in my eyes, the biggest football-type headline right now. And then I have a phenomenal interview with a guest that you cannot miss, at which will come after my opinion thing. So I'm going to go right into it. So the New York Jets have been the laughing stock of the NFL for a while. Not the laughing stock, but one of the laughing stocks. I'm a Jets fan. It's hard to say that. But things have been on the uprise, I guess, since I'd say Sam Darnold was drafted. Maybe I, maybe even Jamal Adams was drafted because he kind of added a spark. And the team realized they needed a quarterback, made a move, got Sam Darnold. The rest has been history. But then, obviously, this offseason, they choose to fire Todd Bowles and not Mike McCagnin. Well, they let him do the scouting, they let him do all this, and they let him even draft and spend $120 million. Mike McCagnin had control of this squad to build it in his image and what Gase and him wanted and all of this until Chris Johnson, a few days after the NFL draft, decides it's time to let... Mike McCagan and go. Well, the timing obviously wasn't superb, but according to multiple sources within the Jets organization, this was because they didn't want to have to start over so close to the draft, so they decided just to have McCagan in um, run the offseason, which doesn't really make sense to me because I feel like you had enough time in the fall, um, not the fall, the winter, had you fired McCagnan then, but obviously McCagnan still had people within the organization who believed in him, and ultimately after the draft and the way he spent some of the money, he lost some of those supporters, and it was enough for Christopher Johnson to finally give him his walking papers, along with Vice President Brian Hermantinger and multiple other scouts. So then Adam Gase took interim control of the team, kind of wiped away some of the leftover McCagnan players, added in a few of his old players that were kind of bench players that he could see you know, being players that provided value to this Jets squad this coming year. And then OTAs started, and mandatory minicamp was this past week. And you had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I believe it was. So Wednesday they had practice, Thursday they had practice, and I believe a couple, there may, may have been four or five days too. I don't remember the dates exactly. But they had multiple practices, Le'Veon Bell showed up, a lot of the players were there, everything, well, all the players were there. Everything was going well. And the team seemed like it was, you know, connected despite the turmoil that had come up with the Gase-McCagnin rift and some of the rumors that came out that Gase really didn't want Bell or Mosley. So then all these rumors galore, Gase decides, let me take the team to Top Golf. And throughout the minicamp and even at the media's perspective of Top Golf experience that they went to, this seemed like a good minicamp. It seemed different. The defense seemed so on fire and energetic with Greg Williams, and the offense seemed like they were making solid plays and making solid adjustments on Gase's behalf. And the team honestly seemed okay, but obviously holes had been exposed with this minicamp, and they needed someone who could make these moves. Well, Gase was going to make the moves that were best for him, but they needed a GM to come in. They needed someone who wasn't a yes-man, and they interviewed a couple candidates who all did well, but the guy from the beginning who seemed like the favorite because he's not a yes-man, has that small connection with Adam Gase, and has a proven track record, was vice president of player personnel with the Eagles, 
Joe Douglas. He filled many hats with that team, and he was credited with kind of constructing that Super Bowl championship team a couple years ago. But now, Douglas was the favorite for the job, and the Jets threw money his way, but he didn't have the terms of the deal that he wanted. Then the Texans fired their general manager, and I feel as if that kind of pushed the Jets to finally say, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. And Joe Douglas is now the new general manager of the New York Jets. So that's the recap, which led up to the first move the Jets' front office has made. Uh, Obviously, the old team with, or the old front office team of Hermendinger and McKaganen brought in Darnold, Adams, and all of this. But you can arguably say their biggest move was for Darnold. Mosley, Bell, the draft picks will remain, that from this year's class will remain to be seen based on production this year and in the future. But Darnold, Adams, and Williams will walk out being kind of their three biggest guys they got. And they were all first-round guys who essentially fell into their laps. The only one they even had to make a move for was Darnold. Other than that, that team's track record of Hermendinger and McKaganen and the draft kind of result of the last couple years under their tenure has been atrocious. Douglas has a proven track record. He's won a Super Bowl. He was regarded as a very wise scout. He has all the potential in the world. He's not a yes man, and he's going to be aggressive. He's going to do things, and he's going to get things done. He's going to come in and make a difference in this team. He's going to fill out his staff and immediately get to work on trying to you know, address some of the issues, like cornerback depth. They definitely need another corner. They also need a new another offensive lineman necessarily could be beneficial as well. And obviously there's lots of speculation that can come up on what happened. But the hind- in hindsight, you know, looking back, the reason I'm even talking about this is because this was the first step for an organization that has been a laughingstock to kind of say, obviously this offseason, you know, they put all their chips in the table and actually tried to get good players to join along with Darnold and Adams and Williams and a couple of the other young guys because they realized we really need to improve this team. There's some glaring holes, and they were open to actually trying to fill them for a change. And maybe some of the spending wasn't wise, and maybe a lot of the decisions weren't great in that last couple tenures. But Joe Douglas is the first guy, I feel like, who has high expectations in the last couple years because he's a guy with a proven track record. He's not a yes man, and he's the first one to come into this team that the media and the league and everyone feels confident that this could be the guy that turns this ship around. And him and Gase, this isn't a range marriage like a lot of the other ones have been in the past. This was a deal where Gase wanted Douglas and Douglas wanted Gase as his coach. And Douglas will fill out his staff. Obviously, ESPN's Todd McShay has been rumored to be one of them based on his report that came out the other day. But looking back in hindsight, the Jets' front office and ownership and the power structure has been atrocious for the last couple years. You needed someone in there who was going to be aggressive with the Johnson brothers and take control. And a six-year deal to make Joe Douglas the next general manager of this New York Jets team and a head coach who is very aggressive and loud and is going to bring the fire to this Jets team. It's something that has been kind of lacking since the days of Rex Ryan of that angry and fire, but the only difference is that these two will keep their heads on street and know what the hell is going on around them. This is the first time in a while that the front office looks okay, 
the product on the field, there's a lot of talent. Everything's finally looking okay for the Jets. But with questions galore going into the season, it remains to be seen how it will go. So, after a short word from my sponsor, er, our sponsors, you're going to hear an interview with the quote-unquote face of fantasy football as he proclaims himself. He's one of the most knowledgeable football guys out there, and Joseph Robert, the fantasy football counselor, is this week's guest on Ambitious after a short break. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is the face of fantasy football. He hosts the number one fantasy football podcast called the Fantasy Football Counselor Podcast. Today's guest is Joseph Robert. Joe, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting. Thanks for coming on. So kind of my first question for you is in a kind of slow offseason right now, one of the bigger headlines was the recent extension of Carson Wentz by the Philadelphia Eagles. And judging from social media, you kind of had a very um, big opinion about the situation. So kind of tell me myself and my viewers about your opinion on the situation. You know, I think he got paid too early. When he did play, he looked good. But when he did, you know, he was sidelined a lot of the time. I just think they paid way too much for a guy that's been unproven to fully complete a year. Now, his rookie year, I believe he did finish that, but he didn't perform on an optimal level. Injured in college, injured in the NFL. I could see why they went ahead and did this, because simply because they want to lock him in before a Pat Mahomes comes out and gets a $200 million contract. They're thinking of it, like, we got a deal. But this is not a guy I trust in fantasy or reality. He hasn't shown enough time on the field uh, without injury for me to pay that and justify $107 million, I believe, guaranteed. And I think a $128 million contract. No way am I paying a guy like that injury-prone. So my next question for you kind of regarding that situation is Philadelphia also lost a key asset in their front office. So how do you feel this is going to impact Philadelphia from a fantasy standpoint as a whole? Well, fantasy, I just say stay away from Philly. I mean, there's just so many question marks. When you're looking at the running backs there, I mean, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the new rookie? I think it's Sanders. Is it going to be Jordan Howard? I mean, it's just so many question marks that offense. And then you've got the wide receivers. They've got Jackson now. Jeffrey's had years to walk. I mean, I'm not allowed. Just stay away from the Philly. You know, when, when I look at a team, I look for guys like Devontae Adams, guys that are going to get a bulk of the volume. You don't know. And when, when I look at running backs, it's like Zeke. You know, guys that are going to get the bulk of the volume. You don't know who's going to get the bulk of the volume. You don't know who's going to emerge in their position on the depth chart at their respective position. So stay away from these guys, period, for fantasy. Now, with Todd Gurley also having some issues, who would you say is, you know, the clear-cut number one or two, two or one or two guys that are like your end-all, be-all if you have the first pick in, the, in your fantasy draft? It's crazy. We're doing a followers with followers league, and, uh, you know, I was telling everybody, you got to vote for this guy, and the votes just won it, uh, came through. And uh, David Johnson is the guy. I think he has a bounce back here. Um, I like the Kingsbury offense. I think there's going to be some special things happening. Kyler Murray's there. David Johnson is going to perform. Understand David Johnson last year, who had a mediocre year, actually still finished ninth in PPR amongst running backs. His touchdowns are going to go up. His receptions are going to go up. Everything's going to go up. And he's actually come on and said he's the best running back in the game, and I believe him. Now, also, there's some other running back questions, especially with um, in the New York Jets situation, Le'Veon Bell. Would you, if you had the opportunity, draft Le'Veon Bell as maybe not a running back one, or but a running back two? 100% not. I don't trust the guy. Um, just his tardiness over the past couple of years, not showing up to OTAs, new offense, new quarterback. 
Now, you got to understand, last year, Robbie Anderson was a wide receiver one, and he only had 50 receptions, I believe it was. That's not as unacceptable for a wide receiver one. When Bell thrived, he was looking at around 85 uh, receptions per game uh, per season. Um, so, you know, I, I need somebody to producing on that type of level. You know, like he, he needs to get that much receptions to succeed on a wide receiver or running back one level. Now, you did touch on Carson Wentz in the beginning and Le'Veon Bell right now, but who would you say is the guy you can already pinpoint right now is going to be the most overrated player maybe in fantasy perspective this year? It could be a couple of guys, actually. I think Odell Beckham and that whole Browns offense is a little overrated. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell is overrated. I think Antonio Brown, and again, everyone's got their reasons for Like, i got reasons for everyone. You know, to highlight all that, again, Le'Veon Bell, like I said, new offense, new team, needs the receptions, different offense. He doesn't have the same old line he had in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, Antonio Brown, you've got to build chemistry with Derek Carr. That's going to take a long time to build. Is, is Derek Carr going to be able to thread the needle in through double coverage? I don't think so. So, yeah, those guys are definitely overrated this year, in my opinion. One question I definitely have with Odell is the fact that he hasn't been – working on, you know, the timing and everything with Baker. And it's one thing if you're a running back like Le'Veon situation where you can kind of come into an offense and for the most part be able to handle it, maybe not produce at the volume where you were producing at right away, especially with his situation, but you can kind of adapt to the offense. With Odell, you need to have that timing down with a quarterback. So if I'm on the clock, I don't think I would take Odell as my wide receiver one or maybe even a two. I think he would be more in the two category right now. Who, um, especially this year, pinpoints out to you as the wide receiver one that you kind of would want to build around? Are you talking for the Browns or in general? Fantasy in general. Oh, I just love Devontae Adams. You gotta, you gotta have him. You gotta, gotta draft him. He's my favorite wide receiver one this year. Even with all the questions, you know, a new coach with Matt Lafleur, do you is Devontae still your wide receiver one even in that retrospect? Hundred percent. I mean, that rapport with Big Ben is there. They didn't acquire another wide receiver. Allison's coming back. I mean, there's just no threat. He's the guy, and Aaron Rodgers has come out and said he wants to throw to him even more. Love Devonte Adams this year. Now, another guy who's kind of been in a unique situation this off season is Big Ben. How reluctant would you be to go after someone like Juju or James Conner or Big Ben in fantasy football drafts? Love, love, love Juju this year. He can actually be a wide receiver one. Uh, I got him actually, I think, number two behind Adams, simply because of volume count. I mean, 168 targets freed up. Uh, James Washington is lining up with him. I mean, James Washington did nothing last year. You know, Juju's got that report. Ben, Ben, Juju, they're going to go off this year. I think Ben is a great value as a QB2 later in draft as a backup, but he's got QB1 potential written all over him. And Connor, I think I'm going to stay away from him simply because, you know, they just drafted Benny Snell. He's going to get a lot of that goal line work in my opinion. I don't think they drafted him relatively early just to bench their their running back there. So, Juju, I love though. So, another kind of AFC North team that had some changes this offseason was Baltimore kind of getting away from Flacco. Would you kind of go after Lamar Jackson because he seems like the ideal kind of fantasy 
quarterback in hindsight being a runner and also having an arm, would you go after Lamar as a QB? Nah, in the draft? you know, I don't, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about him. He doesn't get me as excited as a Russell Wilson or another running quarterback, that type, that dual threat. He's not the guy that excites me. And a big part of that is, yeah, they got a good rookie wide receiver now, but I mean, I don't know. It's just Baltimore throwing. I, I don't know. That whole offense is suspect to me. Who kind of stands out to you looking already we're in June, looking at the beginning of the year as someone who could be a shock, someone everybody's kind of sleeping on and that could burst out this year? Oh, man. There's a, there's a couple of players. I did a whole sleepers episode on my YouTube channel. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I like Geronimo Allison from the Packers. Uh, Cortland Sutton this year. A couple good options. Um, Ronald Jones, probably this year. I think he's gonna. He's one of the most improved players on Tampa Bay. So there's three right there for you. I like, especially. I'm glad you mentioned Ronald Jones, especially with all the overhaul that they've had this off season. I feel like that's a good guy to kind of go along with. Um, yeah. My next question was: Is there anybody you know that? Um, is going to be like I somebody who immediately comes to mind is like Raheem Mostar or they're guys that are like could end up being a value play that maybe isn't a big shock and doesn't be um I don't know how to word this isn't a guy who can be like a starter but can be a valued player for like a couple weeks or something like that that's kind of been under the radar right now as well um so almost kind of like a deep sleeper I guess right yes you know what to be honest I I always try to go for guys that are on the top of their depth chart. I mean, anyone can really emerge at any time. I just feel it could be maybe a rookie, possibly. Um, you know, maybe like a DK Metcalf could really emerge. I like him as a wide receiver. Uh, when you're saying guys like uh, like Mostert or uh, Rakeem Mostert, or, um, you know, guys like that that are deeper on their chart, you know, it's, it's a bit of a long shot. I'd maybe stash them later, but... I, don't, I try to focus on guys higher on their depth chart. Another guy that's a great talent was really injured in college was Bryce Love. Uh, he plays for Washington, but he's buried in behind the depth chart of uh, uh, Peterson there and, and Darius Geis. So, you know, it's just like hypothetical. It's like the A, B, C, and D have to happen before those guys shine, you know? And I don't want to keep you too long, so my last question, and I do always try to ask my guests this, is what is and this isn't talking about fantasy or football and everything, but it's your career. What is the legacy you want to leave, like your ultimate goal with your career? Well, I mean, ultimately, just be ultimately financially fulfilled and doing what I love. Um, If I could be known as being the best in my chosen field, which in this case is fantasy football, then that's great. And when I say best, just a household name in the industry and, uh, you know, basically dominating whatever sector I'm in. If I can do that and I'm financially abundant doing it and I can leave that legacy, I'd be happy. Well, I do want to give you an opportunity to plug your social media, your YouTube channel, and your podcast, so go for it, or Joseph. Sure, sure. Just give us a follow at Fantasy Football Counselor, number one verified page of at Fantasy Football Counselor, spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-O-R. Some people spell that differently, but that's the way you spell it. And catch me on YouTube or just Google me. Go to the website, ffcounselor.com. All my social links are there. 
Well, Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I wish you the best of luck in the fantasy football challenge that you are participating in and all your success this season coming up. And thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate you for having me on. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks.